Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I am Scott Jones, your host. If you are new to the show, stick around. Today's guest is an amazing ultra runner out of Australia. He was the 2013 Ultra Runner of the Year. Uh, he's got some great stories. I dubbed him, uh, I gave him the title of the Australian Trifecta. <laughs> anyway, what that meant to me, he's, he's an ultra runner, he's a coach, and he actually is a special education teacher during the day, so it's... The guy's got his table full. He's got great stories of traveling the world from running the Mount Fuji Ultra to, to running the Pikes Peak Ascent. And, and all over the world, he's got some really cool stories, and he shares those with us today. You get to find out what a day in the life is like for our guest, and I think you'll be surprised at how much he actually gets done. You'll, you'll get to hear his his thoughts on his, his growing up in Australia and an adventure from an early age, and pretty much everything in between then and now and it's uh i think it's a great story Uh, i'm always excited to have people with amazing accents on so that's another good thing about it but just stay tuned you guys are going to really enjoy it uh athlete on fire if you've never been here before this is a show where we take athletes from all over the world uh inspiring athletes elite athletes former elite athletes and we share their story and tap into what they were able to do to to compete and succeed at a high level and we share those resources with you so you can go out and do some amazing things on your own so i've had a great time this is our 37th episode and uh you know our guests are only getting better and we've had some amazing guests so far so you can go back to athleteonfire.com and click on the podcast link and find out uh, who else we've had on there learn about them in the show notes and, and just take a listen and uh if you're new to podcasting the easiest way to listen is to is to use one of the big platforms like itunes or stitcher um, both of them have apps for for phones and both of them are easily accessible online as well and uh, if you like what you're hearing hop on there and give me a review i love honest feedback if it's only a quarter of a star i don't care i just want to hear what you have to say about the show and and if you'd like to do it in a more private manner Shoot me an email at athletesonfire at gmail.com. Today we are going to dive right into it. I just got done this weekend with uh, putting on one of my own events out here in Colorado. It's called the Rocky Mountain Brew Run Series, and we go to different microbreweries all over the state, and we put on runs, and it was blustery. It's been like 75 degrees the last week. Yesterday it decided to rain and snow all day long. It was brutally cold out there, but we had a great field out there. Come out and, and enjoy the the camaraderie and and have a really nice uh post race at odell's up in fort collins so this morning i woke up to amazing sunshine about six inches of snow and it's a great colorado spring morning i hope wherever you are in the world it's just as great you guys are all athletes get out there get after it and enjoy today's show thank you prepare to be inspired by some of the most successful athletes on the planet this is Athlete on Fire, your daily source of amazing stories that will ignite your pursuit of excellence and inspire you to be and do amazing things. Now, I have one question. Are you fired up? Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I am Scott Jones, your host. We are joined once again with an amazing endurance athlete. He is coming straight out of the Blue Mountains of Australia. He's an ultra runner. His name is Brennan Davies. Brennan, how you doing? I'm well, thanks, Scott. All right, we are speaking to all the athletes out there that want to learn from from your experiences and everything, and I'm going to tell you really quick how the show goes, okay? Sure. All right, so we have three segments. The first segment is Athlete Defined, and we're just going to hang out, get to know you, where you're coming from, you know, how everything started for you. Then we're going to go on to Athlete on Fire, and that's the mental and physical capacity it takes 
to compete at a high level. And you're going to share some of those insights from your experiences. And lastly is Athlete Inspired. And we're just going to give our listeners some really cool takeaways that they can use to go do some amazing things on their own. All right? Okay. Yeah. All right. And if you don't call me mate at least once during the show, I will never, ever post this. I'm just telling you that right now. All right. Okay. No problem, mate. (laughs) Yes. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) All right. So we're going to Athlete Defined. You're 15 years old. It's a Saturday in the middle of the summertime. What are you doing all day? Who are you doing it with? Oh, I'd be um, down down the local reserve or park, either playing um, football. Uh, that's um, Australian football, not not American football, um, and just hanging out with um, mates and and had a very active upbringing. So I was always outside, um, kind of riding my bike or, or playing with my friends. Um, we always found stuff to do. I was very fortunate to have. Um, to, to have lots of friends in the local area and I had parents that um, encouraged me to get out and, and do lots of active things and I lived um, close to like bushland so lots of adventuring, lots of getting up to stuff that my parents didn't, didn't probably know about. Um, All right, I'm going to stop you right there. Tell me about yeah. one of those moments that your parents probably didn't know about where you got into a, a crazy situation or something. Oh, I'm going to get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, just lots of crazy stuff like building epic um, tree houses and and cubby hole, cubby house holes in the bush, and um, you know playing with um, fire and stuff like that. And oh my goodness, what is with the Australians? You're the second Australian that I've that I've interviewed, and the last guy during his childhood was playing with fire too. I just. <laughs> There's some kind of pyro thing going on over there. Yeah, it could be why we have so many bad bushfires in Australia. <laughs> um, no, we're, we're, they were just like normal kind of small boy stuff, and um, yeah, just just lots of um, just lots of kind of like rock climbing and things like that with you know pretty dangerous stuff that you probably wouldn't do as an adult. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, just lots of that kind of stuff and getting lost in the bush as well. Um, that was always fun. <laughs> but so I always kind of saw it as an adventure rather than anything. Well, it, it definitely has you know, shaped kind of who you are today. And the second question, I, I just always dive straight in from that, is you know, take us a little bit more into your childhood. What was your family life like? What were your parents like? What kind of work ethic was instilled, if anything? Uh, and just t- kind of paint a picture of, of what was that like for you. Yeah, I grew up, um, I have three sisters, um, so yeah, family life was, you know, it was uh, busy. Um, my mum and dad always encouraged us to to do uh, lots of outside of school activities, so I was doing um, scouts and athletics and, and soccer and all a whole lot of team sports, and my sisters were the same. Um, I guess they just wanted to give us lots of opportunities to to experience things as a child, um, to follow um, our passions kind of thing, or it could have been just to get us out of the house so they had some time to themselves as well. But we always seemed to be doing something or or another, and and it wasn't just sport. It was, you know, drama and, and stuff like that, so... Um, yeah, lots. It was always a busy household, and um, driving us to some kind of activity or picking us up from another one always seemed to be happening. Um, so yeah, very active upbringing, cool. and also quite independent as well. Like they were, they were building a lot of independence into us, and 
so yeah it was a nice way to to grow up no that's great and so just to start painting the picture of you up to this point i've introduced you as as an ultra runner you know a lot of people can look you up really quickly and learn some of the things that you've done you were the 2012 ultra runner of the year in australia which is pretty amazing you're a special education teacher, which you told me offline, which I think is amazing and honorable. And I told you about my background in education as well. Yeah. And you, you coach. So you have a you have a full plate. So I want you to kind of paint, paint the picture of you as an athlete. Like, how did you get started? What are you doing right now as an athlete? Just to let people know kind of where you're coming from. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, I didn't really um... – I wouldn't have called myself a runner before I kind of turned 30. Before that, I was um, much more into team sports, and um, especially in my early 20s, I was, you know, always playing team sports, cricket or, or football, touch football, things like that. And then in my kind of mid-20s, after I got married, I kind of fell into that malaise where you, know, you just kind of concentrate on your work and your um, your relationship. Um, so, yeah, I was newlywed and just really getting stuck into my career and trying to get grounded in that. And I guess when I was 30, I decided that I wanted to make a little bit of a change in my lifestyle. I was, I was content in my work. And, um, yeah, I, t- I started running with a, a club in Sydney and uh, I, I just started doing little 10-kilometer runs and then that became, um, you know, 15-kilometer runs and, it was mainly on the road, and then I, in, within a year, I'd, I'd run my first marathon, um, and I, I loved it. And I guess I caught the running bug that many people do, and it kind of just went from there. And uh, eventually, I started running you know, marathons um, quite often. And um, it wasn't until I, I moved, I was living in the city of Sydney, and I was mainly doing road running. But it wasn't until I moved up here to the Blue Mountains. Um, that I really took up trail running, um, which is kind of like my discipline now. I, um, I guess people know me as, as a trail runner, as an ultra trail runner, um, but I, I, I still do a lot of running on the road um, for training and also competing. But, um, yeah, because I have the beautiful training grounds of the Blue Mountains around me, I just seem to have fallen into trail running. And um, since I've done that, I've, I've had a few really good successes in it and um, I've kind of um, been successful in the sport at a time when the sport is just booming. Um, I'm sure yeah. it's booming in America just as it's booming in Australia and all over the world and I've kind of been at the crest of that wave in Australia so I feel fortunate to be in, a, to be in, a right, in the right place at the right time sort of thing and I've had lots of opportunities um, come my way um, that I've been quite quite fortunate to ha- to have, um, including you know traveling to some amazing places around the world and competing in some of the most amazing races imaginable. Yeah, so so name a few, n- name three or four of the, the the places in the world you've been and and just tell us a, a really quick you know a quick story about it, what it was like. Yep. You, you won't spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's pretty interesting. Sure. Yeah. Well, the the first time I I, I competed overseas properly was um, actually in Colorado. Uh, I did the Pikes Peak ascent in two thousand and ten. I think it was. Oh, nice. Um, uh, it was the World Mountain Running Championship, and I performed really well in an event in Australia, um, a qualifying event that was really um, just unexpected. It was a trail event, but I was mainly a road runner back then, so I had, I had very minimal trail running experience and. 
um, yeah, I went to Colorado and it was absolutely beautiful. I knew what real mountains were as soon as I got there. Um, <laughs> in Australia, we don't have real mountains. We've, we have hills compared to those beautiful mountains you have over there. And I was a little bit of a fish out of water. I, I really just kind of dropped me into another world sort of thing. And I remember flying into Colorado Springs and seeing the, the, the Rocky Mountains and then someone pointing out Pike's Peak to me and I went, you're joking, we're running up there? Because <laughs> uh, that, that looked like the top of the world to me. Um, oh, it does. Yeah, and, and and so, yeah, I mean, I gave them a, a, good, a good go. At, um, yeah, the altitude that, that day really, um, really brought me undone and um, but I had a wonderful experience there and I learned a lot of lessons from that and um, since then I've been over to Europe um, and competed at, um, in the Mont Blanc Marathon last year as part of the Skyrunning series and uh, that was a that was another um, awesome experience I've been to um, the UK a couple of times and also Japan a couple of times Japan's a wonderful place to go running I, and I did the ultra trail Mount Fuji at Japan last year, and um, I actually performed really well there. Um, another unexpected result, really. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. how, amazing, how amazing was Fuji? Oh, absolutely stunning. Uh, it, this race kind of circumnavigates the, the mountain, it, um, and, yeah, it's just such a special place, not just for Japanese people. You can tell how significant it is to them, but also just as a foreigner coming in and... and being immersed in that culture and, and the stunning location was just something I'll never forget. And I'm actually heading back there in um, three weeks or four weeks and doing it all over again. <laughs> awesome, man! Yeah, we'll keep. We'll, you know, I'll, I'll post the the link to the to the race over there. I think people would love to see that for sure. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me move on a little bit here. We're gonna we're gonna get to mm. the end of athlete to find. We definitely. I mean, you guys can listen. He's he's definitely passionate about running. He's doing this stuff all over the world and. Uh, it's a really it's a really cool community because it's really it's a small community but these races are in the most pristine areas in the world and i think you guys are going to really enjoy the rest of the show so the last thing we're going to do in athlete define brendan is think back to a competitive time or some kind of competition that you're that you're involved in when you saw something inspiring that you'll never forget oh yeah i've been been uh, blessed to see lots of occasions like that, but I guess the most one, the one that's um, the most ingrained on my mind is there's a race in Australia called the Six Foot Track Marathon, and it it's in the Blue Mountains, and uh, it follows a, a walking track, and um, it's 45 kilometers long, and it's got a couple of thousand meters of climbing in it, and it's it's sort of like the comrades of Australian running. It's it's an event that kind of draws in people's uh, draws in people's imagination and a lot of people use it as a bit of a bucket list kind of event uh, many people just do it the once um, but um, yeah like I remember the first year I did it and um, it was at a time where I was mainly doing road running so this was a, a, tr- a trail running event and at the finish um, the beauty of this event is that you're kind of stuck out there because it's in no man's land where the finish is and Everybody has to wait until every single person crosses the finish line before you get going to go home. It's just the logistics of it. You can't really leave the finish location. So everybody kind of just um, whirls around and and mingles and and talks to each other. But you also watch every single other competitor come in. And remember the first year doing it and and as the day went on and and the people began to um, finish, 
Um, I was in the maybe the top 20 that year, so I got to see most of the field finish. And there, I just remember this moment so clearly, watching um, towards the back of the the pack, like the 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 more senior runners and the more um, the runners that have been out there for the whole day come in and. Um, so they were battered and they were bruised and bloodied from having fallen. And there was a moment where a guy was cramping really, really badly. And um, in this finish line shoot is like down this hill for about a kilometre. And you can kind of see them all come in for a kilometre um, from where you're standing at the finish line. And, and a couple of couple of guys were like helping him cross the line. And then when he got to the last, or cross that last kilometre, and when he got to the last kind of 20 metres, he just said, no, 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 I don't need your help anymore. And he, and he kind of just, he just said, look, yeah, thanks very much, but I'm doing the last 20 metres on my own kind of steam. And, it, and he kind of hobbled and, and got to the finish line. And it was just like a, such a special moment. And I realised then that um, the running community and, and the trail running, especially the trail running community, is such a special um kind of supportive community and but there's a lot of there's a lot of self you know there's a lot of self pride involved yeah. in, in it as well so yeah that was one moment that really stuck with me no that's awesome and the thing yeah. is anybody who's listening from all over the world wherever you are if there's a race you can see something similar to that anywhere you go and it inspires everybody and, and all all these elite athletes that I have on here especially speak to the people finishing you know, at the back of the pack who really have to work to get these things done. And it's, it's all inspiring to me and obviously to, to a lot of these athletes on the show. So I appreciate you sharing that, Brennan. No problem. All right, buddy, we're going to move on to athlete on fire segment. And, uh, I've kind of changed the segment up a little bit in the last week or two. Uh, I, I used to do a fitness on fire segment where the athlete, you guys would share a really challenging or unique workout. And I'm just throwing yeah. it right in the middle of the show now. So if you have that for, for everybody listening, I'd love to hear what your challenge is. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is actually probably going to be a bit of an unusual challenge for a, a trail runner um, or an ultra runner that's used to running up and down mountains all day. But I actually do a lot of track sessions, and I find the track sessions are the ones that I get the most benefit from as far as my anaerobic fitness. So um, it's it's kind of like uh, it's it's this session's called a mona. M-O-N-A Fartlek um, and it was named after an Australian marathon runner in Australia. Um, he's a, he's, he was in his prime, so in the mid-90s, um, early 90s, mid-90s, Steve Monaghetti. Um, and he, this, this session's kind of a morphed session of his that he used to do. So it's a Fartlek session that I run at the track and it starts off with um, four 90-second um, efforts so it goes 90 seconds hard and then you have a 90-second um, float recovery jog so, or, or a run. So it's really um, trying to train um, your body to have, you know, create that lactic acid buffer. Um, so it's 90 seconds hard, 90 seconds easy, and you do that four times. Um, so that adds up to, uh, to 12 minutes um, of, of, of 90 seconds. And then you go to 60 seconds um, times times four. So you say the same thing, 60 seconds hard, 60 seconds easy. And this is where I kind of have made a little, a few adjustments for ultra running. Of um, The original monofart like didn't have 45-second efforts, but I've done 
two 45-second efforts, um, and then you go to and and then you go to 30 seconds, and you do four of those, and then you do 15 seconds, and you do four of those. So the whole session goes 90 90 um, seconds times four, then 60 seconds times four, then 45 seconds times two. 30 seconds times four and 15 seconds times four. And it's a non-stop session. So you're always going from hard to easy, hard to easy, hard to easy. And you're maintaining the same amount of effort the whole session. And obviously as fatigue kicks in, um, your, 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 in your, um, your intervals are becoming shorter, but you, you must maintain the same level of intensity. So it's, uh, it's a real, really good workout. And if I nail that session, I know I'm in pretty good shape. Nice. It's a really good indicator of um, my, my form. Yeah. So you guys listening, that can be done by anybody in the world. Okay. If you don't, if you can't walk, you can get on the armorgometer. If you can't use the armorgometer and you can swim, you can do this for any endurance activity. It's a great interval set. I'd like to hear from people who actually go out on the track and try it. So shoot us an email. Shoot me or Brendan an email after the show. That'd be really cool to hear that you guys did it. Absolutely, yeah. All right, next. Do you have a good quote or mantra that you like to fall back on? Yeah, I, I have a, a couple of really nice quotes. I, I collect uh, quotes, and one I really love is is one by Jesse Owens, actually, um, a sprint, uh, yeah, obviously an American legend, um, but it, it kind of uh, really sums up what I love about uh, running. And he, he, he says, I always loved running. It was something you could do by yourself and under your own power. You could, do, you could go in any direction, fast or slow as you wanted, fighting the wind if you felt like it, seeking out new sights just on the strength of your own of your own feet and your and the courage of your lungs. So that was something that he said, and I really just love it. It's a it's a long quote, but it's just something that really sums oh. up what I love about running too. It's great. Um, it's great. That sense of um, independent, that sense of adventure and independence and and freedom that you get from it. And the other one I really love too is um, from Tim Twitemeyer or Tweetmeyer. Um, a bit of a legend of the Western States endurance run in, in, in California over there, which I'm actually going to this year as well, which it's my A race this year. So um, nice. he wrote, there is nothing noble in being superior to some other man. The true nob nobility is being superior to your previous self. And I guess that's how I challenge myself, how I challenge myself in, in my own endeavors. Um, you know, I don't, I never, kind of race against other people or or it's always against myself or the goals are always based on my my own challenges and my own goals and um that kind of thing so i really like that quote because it, it it brings it brings the values that i that i um believe in about yeah. running no yeah. that's a that's a great quote and it's really the backdrop of athlete on fire the fact that Every single person can be an athlete if they just compare themselves to their previous selves. If, you, if you're comparing yourself to everybody else in the world, in business, life, and athletics, you're not going to be very happy. But there's so many ways that we can improve ourselves. And that's why I think everybody's an athlete if they just apply themselves. It's pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so we're going to go on the other end of the spectrum. You know, this is all the fun, foofy stuff that makes everybody excited. But let's go to the part that is about overcoming challenges and overcoming failure. 
And for you, I yeah. want you to think back to to a time where you thought you were a hundred percent ready for a race or an event, and you went out there and nothing worked, and you absolutely failed. Yeah, yeah, it happened just recently, actually. <laughs> yeah, did that one hit yeah. home? I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, last year, um, there's a race in Australia called the Great North Walk, and it's it's a hundred mile race. Um, it's not. It's not overly difficult as far as terrain, but the thing that really makes this race stand apart from uh, many other ultras in Australia is the time of year it's run. It's in November, which is notoriously when we're entering our our hottest part of the year. Um, And in this location, it's very humid as well. So um, two years ago, I turned up to this event and it was it was an unusual day. It was seasonally um, unusual. It was cool. It was rainy, and um, the whole day kind of stayed like that. And I went out and I I blitzed it and I, I broke the course record quite significantly. And uh, yeah, you know, I thought oh, this race is easy. Uh, <laughs> and then last year, I, I turned up. Um, and I had the same mindset. Um, I, I was taking for granted a few things, and the day was just um, how it usually is in November. It was hot. It was humid. We were running through valleys that felt like furnaces, um, and you know, I, I just totally had the wrong mindset going into the race um, based on you know how I experienced the race the year before, which was, which was quite um, – I had quite a pleasant experience, but this time – the day was the day was much different, and um, I guess I just went into the race taking too many things for granted, especially the weather. And um, as soon as that day heated up, um, I got to about 50 kilometer mark, and it was suddenly in survival mode with 120 odd kilometers to go. I knew I was it was going to be a really tough day, and um, yeah, I just suffered really badly from there on. The day started to get over 30 degrees Celsius, um, and and then yeah, high. And then as the day wore on, much higher, and I was um, suffering from heat stroke and dehydration, and I just couldn't keep anything down, food or or liquid. Um, and I had a few you know long lie downs along the way, and. I was really brought to my knees by this this race. Um, I, the year before, I'd found it easy, um, and then this year it was really hammering home why it's one of the toughest races in Australia. And I just couldn't um, couldn't really um, find anything um, at the end. I I used everything up that I'd, I had mentally and physically, and I and and uh, yeah, the the course and the day just defeated me. Um, I just I just couldn't. Um, have any answers and I, I just um, yeah mainly I, I, I my body was just not in any condition to keep going and I had to I had to pull from the race so yeah that was a race that um, I learned a lot from and mainly just not to take things for granted and 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 not to um, have this kind of mindset going into the race of this pre predetermined race plan you have to be flexible and you yeah. have to adjust let's just go right into that brandon so so talk about mindset pre-race mindset during the race mindset i mean during the race you have to have an open mind from from what i've garnered uh yeah so for you what is that pre-mindset that that i think anybody who's going to run a 5k even can can pull from from your experience oh i guess i do like a lot of visualization um techniques before the race so 
I'm visualizing how I want to feel um, during the race and how I'm going to tackle certain parts of the race and um, you know how how I'm going to get through the bad periods. Um, and I guess the mistake I made that day is that I didn't ha- I hadn't thought of the worst case scenarios um, as deeply as I, I should have, and I, I, I wasn't being um, flexible enough in my execution. And I, I guess it was a little bit of stubbornness as well coming through. And um, so, what my, would be what it, would be a worst case scenario that you would visualize that would help you if something bad actually happened? Oh, I always th- think um, you know when you, things start feeling bad, just to go back to basics and, and press the reset button. Now, if that includes just stopping and walking in a race for a little while, or or having a sit down and, and having some food and water and things like that, just visualising that there's always a, a, a way out of those and there's always a, a, um, an improvement. So um, never you know, catastrophizing things and, and just trying to think rationally about it. So, yeah, just um, you know, visualising walking and, and then getting myself back together, which usually is what happens. So... Yeah, just when if that if and when that occasion occurs, you know you've got um, things to draw on, um, te- strategies to draw on. Um, is there is there a mental <laughs> technique that you can share that that's more of a resource than a than a process that people can can maybe just learn from you in in, in twenty or thirty seconds here? Yeah, um, well, getting back to the question, uh, yeah, you asked a couple of minutes ago about having a mantra. I have this mantra where it's. Um, this is tough, but I am tougher. So um, when things start to really get tough, that's kind of like what I repeat to myself and um, it's it has a nice positive um, effect on me. And it, it, if I just find I repeat that to myself and I start running to that kind of rhythm of those words, if you like, um, it, it comes, it, things start to come back and um, come back to normal. Yeah, um, no, that's, sort of yeah. that's a great mantra, man. And uh, I spoke to to Jeff Galloway, who's a who's a running legend out here in the states, and yeah, he always speaks to mantras, bringing you back to the conscious mind, because that's when you can affect yourself. And yes, and when yes. you get to that subconscious negativity piece, um, you've got to bring it back to where you can control what's going on. So that that's why mantras are so important for everybody listening out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um so that's kind of the mental piece. I think people can definitely relate and draw from that. So let's talk a little bit about the physical piece. Okay? So you're mm-hmm. running tons of different dis- distances. I know you're running Western States. So that's your mm-hmm. A race this year for you guys listening. That's the race that he chose to train, taper, periodize. Everything he's doing is for this race this year. So yes. let's yes. talk about a tough week a couple months from the race. What would like a Wednesday look like for you or a Saturday? Like one of your harder days? When you wake up in the morning until you go to sleep at night, what does that day look like? Yeah, um, I've just started my my real base building um, period uh, phase in my Western States. So um, I've just started to up the kilometers or the miles. So I guess um, like a tough day would have been, say, yesterday. Uh, it was the end of um, my, my two, two, two days of real – big kilometers and um i kind of so on a tuesday i'll i'll go down and do um you know 10 kilometers in the morning um on the treadmill in the altitude chamber in in a, in a gym down here in sydney 
And then in the afternoon, I'll run home. Um, I'll, I'll leave my car at a trailhead and I'll run home uh, 27 kilometres, mostly uphill um, to my place in the Blue Mountains. And and then the next morning, uh, so Wednesday morning, uh, or oh, sorry, Thursday morning, I'll, so that was Wednesday and then Thursday, I'll get up really early and then run back down the same trail. Um, so it's a real quick turnaround. It's basically just dinner and sleep and then and back up again and, and run back down those 27 kilometres to my car and then go to work for six six or seven hours in the classroom dealing with a whole heap of other um, mental um, problems and and that kind of thing. And then in the afternoon, I, I do my intervals uh, session in the afternoon so that's a really busy two days of of um of training and working so it's you know two two sessions a day um one more a kind of a quicker session and the other two are the longer runs are just there to build the base the endurance base um in between uh, a whole um a work you know my normal work so it yeah, is yeah. Yeah, it's pretty full on sometimes, but this is the the what I'm you know, my big challenge this year is is to try and train um, smarter and, and and better and being the best shape I can be for Western States because I'm I'm I want to go over there to be a force um, um, yeah and and to really make the most of the opportunity I've got. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are you doing pre- preventative wise? Are you doing any strength or you know? flexibility pilates you know any of the the side stuff yeah yeah i do um a couple of i have a small gym at home so i do a couple of you know gym sessions a week i think you have to do at least two or three to get benefit from them and yeah mainly there for injury prevention also just to create a bit more strength for running the hills and, and things like that so yeah, one session a week I'll focus on my legs and lower body and um, and then another session I'll do lots of core work um, to build up, uh, you know, a strong core. Um, and then, yeah, interspersed during the week I'll do flexibility, um, mainly just incidental moments. I'll, I'll be doing stretching and that kind of thing. Um, but I don't really have a dedicated stretching session. It's It's more before the track sessions and... And that kind of thing, where I'll I'll do a, a bit of drills and and that kind of thing, and I incorporate a lot of stretching into that. Um, but yeah, definitely gym's important. Um, it creates you know, a bit of a, a suit of armor. I like to think about it that yeah, it, it's so important as runners, especially ultra runners, doing lots and lots of miles. Yeah. And I also do you know some technique stuff as well. So I believe technique's really important for injury prevention um so yeah lots of work on my actual running technique as well great great and, and of course you're a great resource for this so if you guys are listening and you want to learn more about technique contact brendan he, he has a background he's coaching this stuff and i was just thinking brendan I'm, I'm sitting here i always have uh if my guest has a website i always have their gallery up when i'm talking to them because it just kind of you know kind of feels like i'm i'm hanging out with you a little bit <laughs> yeah. Your gallery's great, man. I'm looking through the pictures. You got all of your adventures running and there's definitely some emotional pictures where you're hugging people and a few pictures where you look like you you're actually dead, which is uh probably not true since I'm talking to you here. But yeah. <laughs> but you have some great shots, man. And Yeah, uh, I guess I, I like giving the range cuz show people where I, you know, I suffer and where where I've come from and the different experiences you can have um 
and you know lots of pictures with friends and things just to show that running's not such you know an individual pursuit it's it's a social sport um as much as we do a lot of training and running on our own it, at the end of the day the camaraderie and the social part of running is just as important to me as anything else oh absolutely my favorite picture so you guys can check this out is he's sitting on the ground and there's a big old water tank or something and uh I can't tell uh, if he's yeah. I can't tell if he's trying to drink it or bathe in it or if he if he's coming yeah. back from the dead underneath it, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, bit of bit of everything, Scott. Yeah. It was, <laughs> that was actually halfway in that um in that race I was telling you about earlier, the one I, I really was challenged in. So I was just trying oh, to get man. cool or have some water. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. That's fun. All right, so I, I feel like we have a great idea of, of what kind of c- competitor you are. You know, in a 45-minute show, we can't talk about everything that I want to. So, sure. I, so we're going to move on a little bit. Athlete Inspired is the last segment we do. And, and before we get there, uh, you know, this one's a little more takeaway, a little more, you know, ins- inspiration-based segment. I always like to do a quiz or like a fun little back and forth. So I was messing, sure. around, on, I was messing around on your site, and, and, and you listed all these sports that you like to play. And, you know, I'm from – I'm from the United States, and I've, yeah. never, I've never heard of a couple of these. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I've heard of squash, but yeah. I've never heard of Rogaining. What in the heck is Rogaining? Oh, Rogaining. It's it's a real Australian-created kind of sport, that one. It's it's basically just um, – have you heard of orienteering? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's similar to orienteering, except it's, it's not done um, where you have to get the controls in sequence – um, it's more like a big, it's, I call it, I call it like a treasure, a treasure hunt for adults. <laughs> nice. It's, it's a group, it's a team, it's a team thing. So teams of two or more, it actually stands for, um, oh, oh gosh. Now I'm, now I'm <laughs> being tested at five o'clock in the morning. Rogaining, I'll just go, Dr. Goo, um, Google it. Um, so it's, it's, it was, it's basically like a treasure hunt for adults in the bush. So you're given a, a map with um, checkpoints on it, and you can go in any sequence you want, um, in any order you want, in a given time. Usually, regaining is 12 or 24 hours, but you can get shorter, shorter nice. events. And yeah, you just got to go around the bush with a compass and try and get as many controls as you can in, in a given time. It kind of sounds yeah. like geocaching for for over here. Do- yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very, very similar. Yeah. Nice. Well, you know, you, you know, Rogaine, the the drug for for balding men, of course. <laughs> yeah. <a> lot, <laughs> I was like, what is it? Do you just yeah. go slap people on the head that are bald and, and and see if hair grows and whoever has the most hair by the end of the month? I, I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the other, the next one yeah. is snooker. What the heck is snooker? Oh, snooker. It's um, something I played a lot when I was. Yeah, um, in my early twenties, kind of thing. It's it's just um, it's actually not physical at all. It's more precision. It's um, like pool, um, like done oh. on a pool table. Yeah, I know snooker. It has the little things on the board too, right? Yes. Yeah. It's just not right. as popular. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I was thinking big time sport. All right. Are there any <laughs> other? You had a few other sports like squash and stuff like that. Are there any other sports that or, or games that you guys have over there that that I might not know of? Um, you, you probably don't know Australian football too well. It's, it's sometimes referred to as aerial ping pong. It's, um, it's, a, it's a sport played um, on a big oval, um, and we have an oval ball as well. 
um, and you kick it between two po- uh, well two posts. Um, so it's a bit like um, Gaelic football. It kind of had its roots in Gaelic football from Ireland. So, yeah, it's a big-time Australian sport. It's probably our number one sport in Australia, um, very popular in um, in all the states. Um, nice. And then, yeah, we have a lot of water sports in Australia too, obviously, surrounded by by water. We, we Most of our sports um, involve some kind of water component and, um, yeah, we do. We do a lot of. Um, we have a, a very sporting nation, Australia. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. I, I'm glad that I learned about road gaining because that was hilarious. Yeah. And snooker, I think I knew about. I just forgot. So yeah. those are some fun ones. We're gonna we're gonna move on to athlete inspired. The first question is really about you. The rest of them, we're gonna give some good inspiring things. And uh, the first question is: Legacy important to you? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's it's yeah, something you only get one shot off shot off shot off in life, so you have to make um, the most of it. Um, and yeah, and it's always good. At the end of the day, I want to be remembered as as a as a good a good um, not so much a good athlete, but just a good person and the way I conducted things um, um, yeah. and how I went about it and um, you know and also putting back into the sport is important so that's this is where my coaching kind of came from as well i'm just trying to help people out and improve yeah no that's great and you know i I know that you're a special education teacher and that that hits home for me my dad taught special education my undergrads in 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 education as well so i i want to ask you a question so um you know, for for people who don't know, like there's learning disabled, there's behavioral disabled, there's emotionally mm. disabled, there's all kinds of different classifications of who you might have in a classroom. Yes. But let's take an extreme case with somebody in your class that's that really struggles. And mm-hmm. and, and one of the reasons I did the show is because I really believe that everybody can be an athlete. So is there anything that you've seen teaching uh, these types of, of kids and, and really leading these kids that that someone could not be an athlete? Um, no, um, no, I, I believe, I believe everyone has the capabilities of, of being an athlete and to what level is, is, is you know, I, only they, they can dictate that. And, um, I, I guess when, when I'm teaching, I incorporate a lot of physical stuff into my, um, into my teaching practices. I have the classroom of the, the, the kids with the behavioral and emotional, um, disabilities and disorders. So, they need constant kind of um, stimulation and, and short and sharp kind of activities. So we do a lot of outdoor games, a lot, a lot of outdoor, um, a, lot, a lot of running around outside and team team building type activities, so encouraging teamwork, cooperation, but also having a, you know, a positive effect on them physically. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I don't, I don't believe... Um, I don't believe there's anyone can be. A, I think I believe that anyone can be an athlete. Um, yeah, to what level or degrees is, is is totally up to them. And I'll always encourage people to to reach their goals or bring um, you know, strive for their personal best in whatever they do. No, and I you know yeah. I, I figured as much. I just think it's really cool that someone who's doing the things that you are athletically is able to go into a classroom and lead young people because. I'm, you know, I won't say that every teacher is good because I've been around teachers that aren't, but I will say that yeah. the teachers that do care are are the backbone of society, and I really appreciate what you're doing. So just wanted oh, to take, thanks, a t- take a second to say that. 
Thank right. you. So, is there somebody in the world right now? Oh, and you're welcome. I got to my next. <laughs> got to my next yeah. question. You're very welcome. Uh, is there somebody in the world right now that's inspiring you? Hmm. Um. No, oh, there's always there's always a few people, um, and I guess yeah, I get to see so many inspiring athletes in my life all the time. Um, you know, someone like um, Killian Jornet, the great Spanish ultra runner, um, he's just a constant source of inspiration and uh, just the things he does and and why he does them, the motivations. Uh, to him, it's it's totally not about competition. It's about adventure and exploration and being at one with with nature in as many moments of his life as possible. So, you know, in the winter he does ski orienteering, and then in the summer he does running, and he does all sorts of running too. He, he just doesn't run in competitions. He he goes out and gets fastest known times up summits and, and things like that. And I, I'm inspired just by how he challenges himself constantly, ups the ante on himself. And he, it always is about challenging himself. And, and um, you know, he's also a competitor as well. So he loves being the best. And he, um, he always, um, you know, puts that challenge on himself to stay at that level, which is just incredible. Um so he, yeah, someone in the, in the elite end of things—that's someone I'm totally inspired by. But I'm inspired by just people around me, um, the people I train with here in the Blue Mountains, uh, the people that aren't the elite athletes, just the athletes that get out there and um, make it part of their lifestyle just to keep healthy or fit. And um, yeah, I'm inspired by all sorts of people, um, and and yeah, mainly. The ones that um, the people that just just get out there and have a go and 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 challenge themselves um, to to reach for the next kind of um, challenge in their life. So yeah, um, everybody um, around me in, that's part of my life is an inspiration, really. Oh, that's great. That's great. So you know, one of the questions I always ask is, do you have a favorite book that you can recommend to the listeners so they can they can go draw from strength from it? Yeah, but I, I must give a, a warning that once you've read this, you, you'll be a trial runner, so um, <laughs> you won't turn back either. So a little, a little warning. It's it's a book that really influenced me. Um, I went over to Britain for a competition. I was doing a hundred kilometer on the road, um, and I picked up this book over there. It's called Feet in the Clouds, um, and it's by a man, Richard Askwith, or A S K W I T H Askwith probably. Um, and it's about fell running and, um, the obsessiveness of fell runners in, in Britain. Um, so when I was over at this competition, I got to watch some fell running and I had no idea what it is. It's basically just mountain running. Um, but it's, it's such a, a, a really, um, interesting sport. Um, and from then on, after I read this book, I, I just wanted to be there and do, I wanted to be in the book and I wanted to do what they were doing in the book and and I guess it's from that point on where I really took a much greater interest in in trail running and mountain running so yeah it's a awesome. really good read it's um it's all it's 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 got a steeped in history this sport and it goes into a lot of the history of fell running and also just some of the epic um, races I have in Britain 
Great, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely link that up in the show notes. And along that same breath, we're getting close to wrapping up here. So I'm going to give yep. you a chance right now. Just let people know how they can get a hold of you. If you're on social media, your website, just take a second and let people know how to t- reach out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love um, social media. I have a blog. So it's um, it's www.runmrd.com. Uh, sorry, yeah, so www.runmrd, which is what the kids call me at school, dot, um, blogspot.com.au. Um, so that's my nice. blog site, and I like to do race reports, and, you know, I just stick up things that I find along the way that I find interesting. And um, then, you know, I have my Facebook site, which, you know, I have lots of lots of um, friends and, and things that I'll always accept you know, people and then Twitter as well. So yeah, they're the main sites. Yeah. And I'll, I'll link all those up and I, here's your, your disclosure, Brennan. He, Brennan got up at four o'clock for me today. (laughs) Not that that's early for him, but coordinating between uh, 17 hours of of time is, is sometimes tricky. So I appreciate you taking the time today coming out, hopefully sipping on some coffee or something during the show, but your insights were great. I I love what you're doing in the running world and I I appreciate your teaching and your coaching as well. So thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, you're most welcome, Scott. It's been great um, being on the show and I really appreciate what you're doing as well. Um, It's a really great resource for people to have out there. Awesome, man. So thank you very much. And this is for everybody else listening. You guys have been listening to Scott Jones, the host of Athlete on Fire, and you've been inspired by Brennan Davies, who's absolutely an athlete on fire. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.